welcome to the Digital Broker Podcast with me, Ryan Deeds, where we help agents and brokers drive profitability through operational excellence. Welcome to another episode of the Digital Broker. I'm Ryan Dees, and I'm glad that you're here with me today. Today, I'm lucky as heck. I've got BJ from Vertifor. He's a, he's a, a big wig in Vertifor. I'm going to have him walk you through kind of what he does. But first and foremost, I want to thank Indio for putting on this podcast where we can kind of collaborate together and, and maybe learn something from one another. Now, if you don't know Indio, you should definitely check them out. It's www.useindio.com. They help take data from anybody that you want and put it into one place, and it's pretty slick stuff. So thank you, Indio. Big ups. If you guys don't know about the Digital Broker Podcast group on LinkedIn, just put that in LinkedIn and ask for an invite. Our community is growing and we're working on ways to uh, build engagement there and we're always open to your ideas. So with that, BJ, thank you for being on the, on the Digital Broker Podcast, man. Tell me who you are. <laughs> well, you know very well who I am, Ryan, or else I wouldn't be here. Um, so BJ Shacknowski, I'm the Chief Sales and Marketing Officer here at Vertifor. Uh, joined the company about two and a half years ago to help us lead all of our uh, go-to-market efforts and a uh, 20-year software guy into it, Sage Software, uh, LexisNexis before that. Uh, I've done basically every job you can do inside of a software company other than finance and product. I've led sales, I've led marketing, I've led professional services. For some silly reason, they had me leading technical writing at some point uh, along the way, which I now understand, which is embarrassing to say, but um, absolutely love, uh, love selling and marketing software, love helping customers and helping businesses Get the absolute most out of software uh, that they can um, love insurance um, being a seller who comes to an industry focused on selling is one of the coolest things you can possibly do and so while i realize you know by by insurance standards two and a half years is still a rookie i have just enjoyed it so so tremendously much and uh, i love working with the brokers i love working with the carriers i love working with the mgas it's uh it's been awesome That's good man and so you know coming outside the industry inside What's been the biggest, from a sales perspective, you know, one of the things you said that I really loved was you like helping people elicit value from the software that you sell. Well, it, it's, the, it's the blessing and curse of enterprise software, right? I mean, whether you're a, a small business that gets QuickBooks, whether you're a, you know, a, a, the number two broker in the world that runs the entire Vertifor tech stack, right? Um, in reality, uh, nobody's using all that the software does. And it's just kind of like horrible thing for us because we build these products and people use 30 or 40% of them. They don't get the value out of them. And, you know, yet they're still asking for more feature functionality. And a big, a big part of our mission and a big part of what I think makes a successful software company is helping folks get the most out of what they've already paid for. And that in doing so, you earn the right to hopefully help them solve more problems and frankly, sell them more, right? I mean, we, we, uh, we put a customer success program in about a year and a half ago. We spent millions of dollars on it. It's a whole program. It's dozens of bodies, it's a programmatic thing. And literally the entire tent was, intent was to help our agencies, help our carriers, help our customers use the products they've already bought. Right. And, and the whole bet here is, by the way, I'm, I'm a greedy capitalist, right? I love making money for the companies that I work for, but I like doing it the right way. It's kind of the what and the how. And so our, our investment was instead of putting more salespeople in markets, we try to go schlep more product. How about we actually put a customer success program in place, help our customers get more value out of it. They'll make them more successful. They'll free themselves up to spend more money and look at more problems to solve and, and we'll make more money as a return. So I think it's just, it's a little bit of a shift in the paradigm. It's where I, I think most sales is going, but uh, 
we've been really happy with the transformation we've been leading around that. Yeah, area. and I think it's, you know, it's not, this is not isolated to Vertifor suite of products or any. I mean, when I look at agencies, you look at Office and Outlook and how much Outlook can do. I mean, it is a powerful, powerful tool, but the vast majority of individuals will only ever sort and search in Outlook. And so uh, oftentimes when large software vendors talk about their product and all the whiz-bang stuff that it can do, I always come back to this Outlook d dilemma because my users use it every freaking day and they still can't. And so I think it's, it's awesome that, you know, Vertifor is kind of approaching this from that standpoint, you know, and, and I think you guys have a program now, right? That goes into agencies, kind of looks at where they're at and then helps try to say the next couple of steps should be X to leverage this the most effectively. Yeah, we, we do. And so we, we, uh, Cassidy Smirnow, uh, who you know, Ryan, she's our chief customer officer. She's an absolute rock star. She basically is what she does for a living, right? She helps install and get it up and running. But then what this team does is it, it takes a programmatic approach. And it doesn't call and just say, hey, how are things going? Because there's no value in, hey, how are things going? If you don't know what the software can do or if you don't know what's going right or wrong, how are things going is a useless comment. I mean, it's nice to the human, which is great, right? We want to have good relationships. But it's really you call into an agency, how are you using the software? What are you using the software for? Oh, you're not using this reporting functionality. Oh, you're not doing your accounting here. Oh, you don't even realize what came in the last release, which could save you a day's worth of work from a person that could otherwise be talking to customers, right? This isn't intended just, just to, you know, it's not the, the big hug and the feel good. It's really about, hey, listen, if you're not using our products, you're giving up hours of your people's time that they could be spending helping you make money. If you're not using our products the right way, you could be exposing yourself to E&O risks that otherwise you don't even have a handle of or maybe even know about. And so it, it's really intended to help folks run better agencies. It's the outcome at the end of the day, right? Software does four things. This is, I've been doing software my whole career. Software helps companies make money, save money, reduce time and reduce risk. And the ability to articulate that into the terms of the people that use it or run these businesses is what makes it valuable and what makes them change, right, and adopt, because otherwise they're not going to do anything differently. And that's what our customer success organization is really oriented to do is, is to make a meaningful difference in our in our agencies, our brokers, our, our carriers. Business. Yeah, I love that. I mean, because I often, you know, I, like I say, I've failed at implementing technology in agencies so many times the few successes that I have had. But look at oh, well, I mean, <laughs> I guarantee you I will still fail a lot, but. I will learn from those failures. And so like I, what I've noticed is you can create some cool stuff, but if I can't articulate how that changes the account manager's life for the better, it doesn't matter. Right. And so I love the, the philosophy where you guys are headed with that. And so I appreciate your introduction. I mean, can you sum up your core, you know, what your core mission at <clears throat> Vertifor is to enhance sales? I mean, that's, that's the, the core goal for you. Yeah, you know, I mean, my job, without a doubt, at the end of the day, that my I, so it's my what and my how, right? My what is um, I own the number, right? All, all my agency principal friends, everybody who leads sales, who's the CEO or head of sales at a company, will understand this. I, I own the number, right? Um, my how is by delivering value, right? We want to actually grow the number as big as we possibly can, and so uh, I, I very much look at it both ways. It's not one without okay. the other. Awesome. So, give me a little five, six minute. Talk about where Veritifor is. You know, right now we've got a lot of other agency management systems in the news. Things are happening. Things are moving, and you you just don't hear much out of the Veritifor camp at this uh, yet. You know, and so I and some people take that silence um, in different ways. And so 
you know, from, from your perspective on an agency management system trajectory with AMS 360, Sajita, some of the other products you guys have, the investments that you're making, yeah, just give me the rundown. Yeah, five or six minutes, I'll do my best, right? Uh, we, got a ton we got a ton going on. Um, I could spend two hours telling you about all the things we're doing. And, we're, and we are, by the way, we're trying to do a lot better, too, about, about not being so quiet. You know, we've got this saying internally that our competitors talk, right, a lot. Um, we lead, and we've just been trying to deliver value for our customers. But you know, we need to we need to do a better job of telling our story and getting the word out there. Otherwise, they won't know, and, and they need to understand the direction because they have a lot of investment here. So, I, at the biggest level, um, we're making area we're making investments in a lot of key areas. One of the things you probably saw the press release last week, um, we announced a pretty strategic partnership with uh, with AWS, and we're pretty excited about it because it's not. You know, it's it's not just a venture capital investment, right? It has nothing to do with that. We actually selected them to be a strategic partner of ours, and we've got hands-on keyboards right now trying to actually solve some of the industry's problems in a pretty innovative way. If you think about what we can do with the AIML labs and teams they have at AWS and the asset we have within the management systems being the data, being the structure, being the, the transactional system of record at Vertifor, you can come up with some very powerful things um, in terms of use cases like policy checking, right? Like embedded policy checking um, to help reduce extraordinary costs or manual oversight um, in policies that we know is either incredibly expensive or incredibly dangerous um, when our when our folks are writing these. Um, you can think about all of the unstructured data that exists today that you can't even OCR in, right? Because it exists in old faxes and PDFs and things that. Um, heretofore been otherwise inaccessible, yet contain incredible treasure troves of data for our customers. We have the ability now through this partnership to, to begin to think about and realistically, right, bring to market tools that will be able to take unstructured data, create structured environments, and help our customers either move it into their own data lake or source it ourselves in a way that then becomes meaningful and useful for them. Um, if you think about our, our data and analytics strategy, we just hired a new uh, big hitter SVP GM of, of really not just RiskMatch, our, our data and analytics tool that everybody's heard of, but really the entire data and analytics strategy for Vertifor. And there's so much more that we're doing, right? And, and some of the big things here are, yeah, RiskMatch is going to help our, I mean, we've got a lot of folks running RiskMatch right now, and they are making um, significant commercial impacts on their businesses. If you think about whether it be um, understanding their uh, their rates and their commissions relative to benchmarks, they understand cross-sell probability. But we're, we're taking it one step further and we're actually embedding that into the workflow. Because who needs one more tool to go use when you could actually think about how we deliver data and insight to uh, a persona within an agency. Let me give you an example. Uh, let's say within Risk Match, um, you identify that, you know, within a small florist, right, you're doing light commercial, in a small florist, um, you've only got two of eight potential uh, policies that they should have written, right? Cover you, Effectively, they're gapped. Well, you can tell them that, and you can say, listen, I've been doing this a long time, and you should really have these six other policies, and they'll go, yeah, sure, right, you're just trying to, you know, you're trying to sell me more business. What if you could actually have a visualization tool to show them the propensity and probability of businesses that look like them in their area that have this policy. So all of a sudden, you're becoming a, a risk advisor who's delivering value based upon a quantitative analysis, right, of what they should own as opposed to the guy, try, guy or gal trying to sell them insurance. Then take that, which is incredibly powerful, that's what we give them today, 
and deliver that to them in their email inbox in the morning. Or if they're working in Salesforce, have it show up in their Salesforce instance, right, on that account so that they, are, they have that information, they can turn it into activity, they can make every day that much more productive. We're not just about providing the insights, we're actually about delivering it in a way that then becomes useful, right, to the customers. And isn't that more powerful than anything that exists today? If you think about what we're doing uh, relative to uh, our InsureTech partnerships, um, we're at a fork in the road in insurance technology. By the way, we're 50 years old this year. We consider ourselves the original InsureTech. So, um, you know, I, I, I feel like we have a position to share here. But there's a lot of things going on in InsureTech. There's billions of dollars of investment behind a lot of these InsureTech startups. There are going to be winners and losers. We have dedicated teams that watch this all day long. And we're trying to, uh, to partner with, with what we think are the best ones. And the fork in the road that I referred to is really around this concept of open versus closed architecture, right? Right. You and I have talked about this at length, Ryan, right? There's usually wine involved, which makes <laughs> right. fun, but, but here's the, here's the reality. Um, no management system provider, no insurance tech provider is going to solve everything that an agency needs to do. It's not going to happen. It's not possible, right? Agencies have nuance. Agencies have specialization. Agencies even have their own competencies, which they want to exploit and leverage to create their own differentiation. Vertifor is, is very much staking a flag in the ground around open architecture. And so we are going to enable our customers in the channel to not only use our tools and systems, right, which, which we fully believe are best in class. We, we, we build and buy best of breed applications and then create interoperability of the data amongst them. But we're also going to think about who are the right ones around, right, this hub model that we've created that customers may need to have. And CRM is a great example of that. Right, we're going to open up to Salesforce. We're going to open up to Dynamics. We're going to open up to other tools that our customers have told us that we should integrate with. So be that pipe drive or sugar CRM. But, but we're going to go CRM agnostic, believe that you've got to get the data in and out, and then partner with our agencies to help them then get the most value out of the tools they're using. We believe that a closed, a closed architecture, a closed system of record is going to be too inhibiting and too expensive, frankly, for our brokers to try to maintain. Uh, unlike some of the other folks in the space. And we think this open architecture with data interoperability strategy is really going to be the winning one going forward. Yeah. That, I don't know if that's five or six minutes. We got a lot going on. Those are some of the big Well, no, I mean, I think that that's, you know, that's such a core, you know, for my heart, right? My heart, that makes my heart happy because I believe, you know, I, I think long-term we see programmers are always going to be in the mix, but you're going to have a lot of options where you don't need a programmer, where you can go to widget thing X or Zapier or flow or whatever it is and connect this stuff together without a lot of technical talent. And, you know, with Vertifor putting resources behind that to be, to make sure that those things are available. I mean, to me, that's a, that's a gigantic differentiator as I look at future state and where I would need to be, because like you said, you're not, you don't want one solution software to solve all your problems. That means that it does everything mediocrely, right? I want core pro I mean, if a CRM and an agency management system are very different things and they have very different strengths. And so to, to me, if I can invest in whatever CRM I can get implemented effectively in my organization and tether that over to the agency management system, now it's a good, it's a win. It's not an operational headache anymore. You know, I've got enough of those. That's not. Yeah. Well, then, then really, and then our job, right? So we then become the, the system of record, right? We, we, you still need, you still need Vertifor. And we believe there's incredible value in this. 
to not only be able to, to write and manage policies, but also to manage your data, but then think about our ability to then work together to provide that data in a meaningful way to folks when they need it in their workflow. This entire space is about doing things as efficiently as, as possible, and we've always thought about that in the context of servicing accounts. What about selling to accounts? Right. What about making sure your producers, what about making sure your CSRs have all that relevant information at your next time of proposal, at your next time of renewal, so that every conversation becomes one where you're adding value and potentially right, rounding out these accounts or getting new accounts. So that's, we're just big believers in putting the information into the current workflow and not trying to create a new workflow, which is incredibly disruptive, and especially in this space where we're not all exactly the most technologically forward. So we could assume everyone's going to wake up tomorrow and be a millennial and be able to consume this, or we could deal with the reality of, of the industry that we have today and try to move it in, in a more reasonable timeline by delivering value there and pulling pulling the category right towards technological advance. Yeah, and it almost sounds like you know Vertifor kind of said, hey, let's hit a pause for a little while. Let's figure out what we need to do awesomely. Let's figure out maybe the things that we we – could all we could improve on and focus on that and now it's almost like you guys are coming out of that a little bit from a perspective of we've got some structure in place we've got a, this strategy we're, we're moving forward there's been a changing of the guard and i mean is do you because i mean you guys have got a lot of investment a lot a lot of interest and in, and you guys are bringing on software devs and all kinds of new licensure for both Sanchita and ams360 yeah i mean we're doing it all well the good news is we're doing it from a position of strength. We're coming off of, of record sale, a record sales year. Um, Sajid is adding thousands of licenses. AMS 360 is adding thousands of licenses. Our sales were up almost 50% last year in AMS 360. We have been commercially wonderfully successful. Um, but more importantly, while that was going on, it afforded us the opportunity to step back and say, the next five to 10 years for this category, what does it need to look like? We know what got us here. This company has been so wonderfully successful because it's focused on its customers. Well, now we also need to lead a little bit, right? They're looking to us, so many of our, our biggest brokers, our smallest brokers, the brokers in the middle, the carriers are saying, where is this thing going? We're confused. There are so many people coming into the market doing so many different things. We're working with you, we've worked from you, but we need you to take the lead a little bit. And, and frankly, because there has been a little bit of a, a new changing of the guard, we had to get our arms around what that looked like. And it took us a little while, right? This wasn't as simple as come in, roll a new strategy and go. We, we wanted to be thoughtful. And, and the best part about our strategy is frankly, that it comes from our customers, right? They told us where they think the market is going. They told us what their needs are like. You know, if you think about further consolidation, the needs to integrate tech stack, it's gotta be easier. If you think about how big some of the big ones are getting, it has to work at scale. If you think about how nimble some of the folks um, at the lower end of the broker's size continue, um, continuum are actually going, they, they've got to be fast, they, but they also need the data that the big guys have to be competitive. We can solve all those things, but we had to hear it to be able to put it into a coherent strategy and now deliver it back to the market in a consumable way. And we believe it's the winner because, you know, unlike others, and again, we don't, we don't talk bad about our competition. We let, we let them play that little game like JV, but, but what we're going to do is we're going to give them freedom of choice. We're going to give them scalability. We're going to give them flexibility. Um, and we're going to give them a tool set that provides data and insights in a way nobody else That's can. That's awesome, man. And so I'm excited for uh, for the future. It's it's kind of fun because, you know, I've used Vertifor products forever. And so now it's like I, 
I get to see the inside a little bit and it's, it's been a, it's been a very cool experience. So I've had a lot of fun as we build our relationship. So it's good stuff. Listen, uh, I have enjoyed getting to know you because I get both the thoughtful <laughs> as well as the cantankerous Ryan Deeds, which is an enjoyable kind of continuous. <laughs> yes, you do indeed. Yes, you do. indeed. So, so really the, the, I, I had heard when I was with you in Denver, uh, you were alluding to the sales process, the sales methodology that you that you've created that other people liked you to describe. And it was intriguing enough to me yeah. coming from the agency space and watching agencies struggle with sales management that, that I thought, you know what, let me see if you can articulate that to our listeners and help them understand how you're doing that. Um, and see conceptually if they can take something away that might help them in their in, in, in that role. I could geek out in this for hours, and so I, I will try to be as succinct as I can. Um, about, oh God, 12, 12, 13 years ago, um, I worked with some people much smarter than me, and we developed a framework um, for go-to-market management. And it, it consists of seven different components, and I'll, I'll quickly walk you through each, and then maybe focus on the one or two that you and I talked about um, when you were here, you know, little bit ago, because I think there's a real analog between what we're doing, even in selling software and servicing software to what to what many who listen to this podcast are doing. So if you think about it, man, running go to market, running sales and marketing at, at any organization comes down to a few key things. I have this framework that I drew up. If I had thought about it, I'd whiteboard it on the window behind me here, but I, I didn't. Um, so the first one is you got this input to the whole framework, which is your, your sales strategy. You need to understand what you sell. You need to understand to whom you're selling it. You need to understand the economics of it, right? Um, you need to understand your channels of distribution. Are going to be a direct sales force? You're going to be an, uh, an online sales force? You're going to be a reseller sales force? So you got to have your sales strategy right, right? So assume you've got that. Um, then what you go into is this, this six blocker, right? So imagine four boxes across the top and two underneath all of them across the bottom. Um, the first one is talent. You have to make sure you have the right profile, right? You have to make sure you have the right people. You have to make sure that um, they're well-trained, um, both as you onboard them and throughout their, their job life cycle. If you don't do training of your existing people, frankly, just as often or as much as you're training your new people, you're not going to evolve and you'll, you know, welcome to a, a straight path towards right. the middle, right? If you want ongoing ordinary sales results, um, sales training, sales enablement has to be at the top of your list. And so this, this concept of talent is, is the first bucket. The next one is methodology. If you just say, go get them, killer, and hope they're a, a really good salesman or saleswoman, and they're going to rely on looking good in a suit and being charming, good luck, right? Um, you need a declared methodology. And, and, you, and not every seller will, it's not scripting every step of your sales process, but it's at least declaring, how do you prospect for new, new opportunities? Once you identify a new opportunity, how do you cultivate it? Once you're cultivating it, how do you create an actual sales opportunity. Once you have a sales opportunity, how do you create a mutual path to close? Once you've identified a mutual path to close, how do you present it in a way that, that ensures that you get right the maximum conversion rate or transaction rate possible? And once you've closed it, how do you make sure you provide an extraordinary service or handoff? You can call it solution selling. You can call it challenger selling. You can do Miller or Hyman. You can use spin. I don't care. They're all great. But having a methodology that you consistently apply so that you can measure the effectiveness of it, right, and, again, provide consistency to those new and existing sellers is incredibly important. The third one uh, becomes compensation. And the reality of, of this one is you have to make sure your compensation plan is aligned to what you want your sellers doing. It sounds so obvious, but I see so often in any company that I come into 
to help transform. They've got comp plans and they've got company goals and they don't always meet. Mm -hmm. And there are a million reasons that are, oh, our sellers won't like this or, oh, our sellers will leave. Well, what if your seller keeps doing what we're doing and your company still fails? Right. Right? It's, it's a hard conversation. But at the end of the day, if your comp plan doesn't align with your corporate objectives, you've got, you've got problems. And, and for all of us, right, software is just like insurance. It's built upon a recurring book. Right? Selling something one time and then going away is not good for any of us. And oh, by the way, we all have the ability to cross-sell in this wonderful, wonderful industries we've chosen. And so if your model, your company model is built upon recurring revenue and you're only paying them on the initial hit, there's something to think about there, right? If your least costly path to sales goodness right, or revenue generation comes from cross-sell, and you're more uh, dramatically incenting the same people to go hunt, what are they going to do? They're going to go hunt more. They're going to convert less. You're not going to make as much money. So you get my point, but few folks actually really think through and rationalize compensation to, uh, to company objectives. And the last, the last one at the top of the four is culture. Um, I can't stress this one enough. Um, happy seller, happy cows make better cheese. <laughs> That's not, a good. <laughs> not good not good with the metaphors, right? But happy sellers write more and better deals. And at the end, of, I, I think it was so bad. Um, the, but at the end of the day, right? If your sellers don't feel like um, number one, they can be successful. Number two, they've got a culture of both both work hard, play hard, and that doesn't mean what it used to mean, right? That means you provide really good opportunity for them to collaborate with their teammates right, to, to have both the social aspect of it when you can in, with the inside sales and even the online communities you can create now for your sellers with, with your field organization. You want to create a culture of, of success. You want to create a culture of, of accountability. You also don't want a bunch of, at least in software, you know, if you read the challenger sale, if you know anything about the lone wolf, right, the guy or gal that goes off and does it on their own. That's great. And that's not all well and good. And you need a few of those. But at the end of the day, you will not perpetuate right, a winning sales culture and hit your number every year. If you've got a few random acts of heroism or martyrdom, you need everybody bought in. You want everyone to win, not at the not and forsake everyone else, not at the detriment of everyone else. You want everybody to be number one in a team where everyone makes their number. And that's a different mindset. Managing that culture is incredibly important. Um, underneath that, you've got basically the tools, right? You got your infrastructure and your stack, very near and dear to my heart. You need to know what tools your people are in. You need to know what you can force them to do versus what you're going to ask them to do. You need to understand the outcomes you get from either and how you actually make it about them. I can tell you, you know, I had my reps dashboards built before I had them build me dashboards because it's more important that my people know what they're doing every day than what sure. I know what they're doing every day. And so you need to think about um, the what and the how, but simple is better. You need to simplify it with your tools. You need to give them the right information that they need to do their job. And the last layer under that all is um, what I call governance, which is basically your management operating system. It's it just, it's, you know, dumb old Marine, right? But that which is not uh, measured or monitored, is, you know, is not right. managed. It doesn't matter, right? Yeah. Yeah. See, I'm really bad at these. The point is, uh, if you ain't paying attention to it, it probably ain't happening. And so how often do you meet with your team? What information is shared? Um, how often do you do one-on-ones? What do you talk about? Are you doing pipeline reviews or are you sitting there and let them, you know, whine for 30 minutes about, you know, the weather sucks and I can't go golf or ski this weekend, right? So it's not just doing the meeting, but it's about what information gets shared and what the expectations are in each of those and having that ladder up to your, whatever your, uh, whatever your 
corporate oversight is. If you're a massive company or if you're a small company, at the end of the day, somebody's on the hook for those numbers, and you better make sure that that ladder of competency and accountability is rolling up. So that that's the model. Those, that that's the big one. I'm, I'll stop there and see. Well, I mean, I think it's it, it, that, that all nothing is easy. Nothing that because I mean, what I see typically in insurance agencies is more the lone wolf, especially in, in midsize, you know, middle market agencies, you see lone wolves come in, they have some success, they become owners, they iterate through a bunch of non-successful producers until they get that person, right? And I think if they're listening to that, yeah. but ultimately, regardless of, of if they would bring a, because I agree with you completely, I think the, the era of uh, producer doing their own thing without data, without operational uh, support, it doesn't, it doesn't work anymore. And it's going to continue to diminish as the larger organizations get better at leveraging the information and, and selling in a way that is driven by the problems of those organizations they're selling to. And so I think it's extremely critical for those that are listening to take that, to, you know, you described a framework. Some of the steps may be different depending on the organization and the culture but you took a step back sure. you said okay these are kind of the things that we have to have discussion about we're going to create a lot of accountability it sounds like i mean it sounds like you have a lot of uh, cultural adoption to this and that you don't allow folks to uh, not comply for the most part Is it, would you say that yeah well i mean it's it's not as simple as, you know, command and control, right? I mean, we are, I'm in software. My, my guys can't leave with their books. So I don't have that risk associated with how I run my business, right? I mean, we have non-solicits, non-competes. I, I just a different business dynamic. That being said, I think so much of it, Ryan, so here, here's what we do, right? So you take your framework, you lay it over your organization. Each one of them has five or six different things to hang off. And you go and you basically traffic light your org. Where are you red? Where are you yellow? Where are you green? Guess what? Nobody's going to be all green. Nobody's going to be all red. There's going to be some things you do well. There's going to be some things where you've got areas you can improve. Then what you do is you think through, okay, what are the ones that will have the biggest difference, if, make the biggest difference if we go address them first? And you pick one. You pick one. You're, you're, you're selling great, but your culture is not very good, which could lead to attrition, which could lead to your sales performance being bad. Great. You want to go address your culture. What are you going to do? You don't want to boil the ocean on any of these. Simple is always better, right? Uh, folks don't feel like they're empowered enough. What does that mean? They feel like they have no control over trading partners. Okay, should they, should they not? Maybe they should. Maybe they should have more input. How do you change that? Do you have monthly meetings where you're talking about different carriers and trying to understand what the landscape is? Those little things make a difference. You start to move the needle. Great. You, you go back to your, your scorecard. You look at the next one, right? The, the key to this, though, I'm, I'm, I'm not answering your question in absolutely any way. Um, the key to this, though, is it's good change management. So you can have a lot of lone wolves, and the irony of it is if you treat them well and you actually respect what they've done and the role they've had, you can actually make them your biggest change agents by, by basically making them part of the process. No one likes being told right. what to do. Right. No one. Right? Try being a Marine that doesn't react well to being told what to do. It was an interesting change <laughs> for me, right? But, but I can tell you, everybody likes to be included in the process. And if they are, right, your adoption of that, whatever that may be, is universally higher, particularly if you bring the right influencers in, right? So you can still have lone wolves, and they can still buy into good change management and still help you transform your business, particularly if it's on some of the good ideas that they may have. So I think any of these are accomplishable. Every, every situation, every company, every brokerage, every software company, every sales team is different. 
the framework is still universally pretty good. It's really thinking through the change management and, and changing any of those dynamics that you want. Well, to it's being purposeful about it too. I think, I think a key thing that you said was, you know, if I bring a new salesperson in and I don't train that person, I don't support that person. I put them on a desk and say, go sell regardless of what the product is a, you know, regardless of the environment, the likelihood of success is greatly diminished for that individual, you know? Well, think about the cost. So let's look at this. Let's look at this in three different vectors, right? First, let's look at the cost. What does it cost you to hire somebody? What does it cost you to pay them while you're training them? What's the opportunity cost of not training someone else? What's the lack of productivity when they hit a patch and they don't produce, right? What is then when they'll eventually a trip of your doing or theirs? What's your then cost of having an open territory? So the economics make it such an obvious area to go invest in, yet few of us do because we want to fill a patch, we want to fill a hole, we want to get somebody out there. What we do is we're actually methodical about thinking of, we call it um, capacity management. And what we do is, first of all, nobody go, nobody touches our sales floor, nobody touches a, well, you, don't, you don't call them briefcase anymore, it's, I'm so damn old. Um, nobody touches a customer in the field, right, with their iPad, or the hell we use nowadays, um, until they've gone through a minimum month and a half boot camp, right? To be an inside seller here, to even be a business development rep, to answer the phone and qualify leads, you go through six weeks of training about our customers, the industry, right, our products. We've started actually sending the folks um, who are really good in our boot camps to CISR certification. They're not going to become CISRs but they need to understand the workflow within an agency to really go understand the impact that our, our products have. And so investing huge upfront, and by the way, it even starts before that. We screen folks for intellect and aptitude. We want really smart, really hardworking, ambitious people that, that meet a profile to join our program. We, we weed out 70, 80% of applicants before they even get in the door to go through training. Then we put them through pretty intense training to make sure they want to do the job, they can do the job, they're, they're well equipped. Guess what? My attrition rate in our inside sales is significantly sure. lower than the software category average because our folks are being successful. Well, and you're pre-screening. Right? I mean, you're choosing all the right factors that make somebody successful and you're wrapping them in, in, in the things that they need to learn to get adoption. I, I would think that for agencies out there that are listening, um, I'd be curious, you know, if you ask yourself the question, how, when I hire a producer, how long do I give that producer to uh to be successful and, and see if it's less or more than that because i think that insurance is as a more complex product and it has larger ramifications if you have misapplied coverages than if it, uh, than a nuance of a software product it's not to diminish anything it's just a claim can happen that can affect an organization uh significantly Perhaps more catastrophic implications, right? That's right. Wrong. That's right. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show today, man. It's been awesome. I love your energy and your passion for, for our very interesting industry at this point in time. If you want to run a better agency or MGA, or if you want to improve the productivity, if you're a carrier, our conference in Cincinnati is coming up uh, in a few weeks. And we've really changed it from being more of a just how do you use our, our tools to really how do you be more successful in what you do? And oh, by the way, our tools are part of that because you know, we're part of the process and the infrastructure, but we're really, we're really laser focused on helping people run more profitable agencies, helping people run agencies that actually grow at, at, at a bigger organic growth rate, helping our carriers um, be much more efficient uh, and much more data forward in what they do and helping our wholesalers be better at everything. So um, come to Accelerate, it's in Cincinnati. It's gonna be an amazing party and a really, really valuable week 
uh, where folks are going to come out, come out of that knowing how to, how to frankly be better insurance. And I'm going to be there. So, you know, Hey, well, another reason, the main to, reason. To, That's to, right. to, Ryan <laughs> to buy me show. a drink. That's why you should come to accelerate. Buy me a drink. <laughs> So, but thank you very much, BJ. Thank you listeners for joining us today on the digital broker. Uh, please check out Indio, www.useindio.com. We appreciate your support and uh, we'll see you next time. This podcast is brought to you by Indio Technologies. Indio simplifies the insurance application process for brokers and their clients. When using Indio, the process is fast, easy, and handle saving your agency time and money. You can learn more about Indio and register for a one-on-one demo at www.useindio.com slash podcast. That's www.useindio.com slash podcast.